You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, Episode 78. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Hello, friends. Welcome back. This week, I want to talk about Gretchen Rubin and her four tendencies. I read this book, oh, I want to say six or seven years ago, and I took pride in the fact that I was a rebel, right? Like When you hear the word rebel, I just get this idea of a woman wearing leather and funky hair and her nose pierced and listening to rock and roll and just like commanding utmost attention and respect everywhere she goes. And to look at me, that's definitely not who I am. But I definitely do embrace the tendency of the rebel at heart. And it has made my weight loss journey probably a little bit more difficult than it has needed to be. But I think once I read that book and understood what it meant to be a rebel, I've been able to slowly start to incorporate that piece of me into how I make plans for not just my health goals and my weight loss goals, but for all of my goals in terms of my family life, my job, um, running this business, having this podcast and all the fun things. And I think I, you know, I I have a friend who brings up Gretchen all of the time and the four tendencies. And I've been thinking a lot lately about how we can use our personality to help us lose weight rather than work against it all the time. I feel like a lot of us always feel like we're sort of banging our head against the wall when we're trying to lose weight. And I think part of that is because we are not doing it in the way that suits our personality. And the reason for that is dieting is really the only way we've been taught traditionally, right? And over time, over the over the past several decades, it's it's just diet, 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 diet has always been the answer. Eat less, move more, and you will be fine. And of course, in today's day and age, we know that that is simply not the truth. It is much more complicated than that. But our methods for being healthy and losing weight have not evolved to change along with that. And to make things even more complicated, we live in a society where it is almost impossible to eat healthy without being intentional about it. It's like there are there is food in places where there never used to be food, you know, such as gas station, like there's human snacks and pet stores, for God's sakes. I mean, you can't go anywhere without there being food and usually junk food staring at you in the face. And so even if you don't struggle with your weight and you are trying to eat healthy, it requires an effort. And if you are not using your effort to the best of your advantage in, you you know, based on who you are and your personality and what your tendencies are, then it might all just be a broken strategy for you. So what I'd like to do today is explore Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies and talk just a little bit about how you can identify which tendency you embody the most and then how we can use that for strength. And then also how pieces of that particular tendency might also be holding you back and how we can counteract that. And I think 
There's really more than one reason why there's no one right way to eat for weight loss. And a huge part of that is physiological, right? Each body has its own needs. Each body is going to respond to the different macronutrients in a very different way. Each body is going to respond to exercise in a little bit of a different way. And that's what we're always talking about, right? Is how we have to experiment and find what works well for your body. But I think the other reason why there's no one way fits all for weight loss is because we all have different personalities, we all have different tendencies, and we need to approach weight loss in a way that uses our strengths rather than just one one way to diet or lose weight, right? And so that's what I want to talk about today. So in Gretchen Rubin's book, she talks about four different tendencies, and those are the upholder, the questioner, the obliger, and the rebel. And if you haven't had the chance to read Gretchen's book, or if you're unfamiliar with what the four tendencies are, I do recommend heading on over to her website, GretchenRubin.com, and taking the quiz that she has there to help you identify what your tendency is. I will have the link for you in the show notes, so you can just uh, click right through to that. Um, And if you do know who you are, and you might even know after just hearing the description of these, then I encourage you to think about how you can use the strengths of your tendency to your advantage on your weight loss journey. And really Gretchen Rubin talks about the four tendencies as basically being about how you respond to expectations. And when we talk about expectations, we mean both the internal ones, the expectations that you put on yourself, as well as the external ones, the external expectations of other people in your life, of society in general, of your doctor, whatever, right? Both of those have powerful impact on us. And the four different tendencies will respond to all of those expectations differently. So in a nutshell, upholders love to meet both internal and external expectations. So they tend to do very well with almost anything because they are both internally and externally motivated. Questioners, on the other hand, love to meet internal expectations. They're not going to do so well with outside rules or obligations, but they are going to do great if they decide that something is important for them. That is what provides them with their motivation. The obligers are the opposite. They are motivated by those external expectations and pressures. So if you give them a set of rules, if you give them somebody to be accountable to, then they're going to thrive. And then, of course, the rebels, they don't like expectations no matter where they come from. They don't like expectations that they put on themselves. They certainly don't like expectations that anybody else puts on them. And so we'll sort of rebel against anything that they're told to do. I just want to be clear that labeling yourself as one of these doesn't let you off the hook, right? It's not right for me to say I'm a rebel, therefore nothing is ever going to work, and so I give up. That's not what I'm saying here. What I am suggesting is that help knowing what your tendency is helps you identify advantages that you can use on your weight loss journey, and you still have to do the work. So identifying as one of these doesn't really let you off the hook. It just helps you identify things that you can use to be more successful on your weight loss journey. And it can also help you identify some of the struggles that you commonly come up with again and again so that you can strategize how to overcome those struggles the next time you encounter them. 
And when we talk about weight loss, and I'm sure you've heard a lot about this talk on the web, uh, on the on the podcast, it's really all about consistency, right? Consistency is key. So weight loss is not about being perfect. Weight loss is not about finding the perfect be all and end all diet. Weight loss is really about doing healthy things, engaging in healthy habits most of the time in a consistent way until you see your until until you see your results. And so really what I what I want to talk about is a deeper exploration of these four tendencies and what it means to be consistent from the point of view of each of these four tendencies. So let's talk about the upholder first. So if you remember upholders love intrinsic motivation right? Simply wanting it is enough for them. And if it's important to them, they will be committed. But they also love external accountability. And so if you're an upholder, what's really going to work well for you in terms of your goals is to make a plan, make sure it makes sense to you, make sure it feels good to you, make sure it addresses what you really want for yourself in your life, and write it down so it's a firm, concrete thing, and have a way of tracking it. So upholders love tracking. If anybody is going to love a little checklist, it's going to be an upholder. If anybody's going to love you know, a tracking app so that you can track what you eat, drinking water, how your sleep is, if you're meditated that day, what your exercise was that day. Tracking all of the things is what upholders love because it fulfills their need to be fulfilling their own expectations as well as others in the form of this external tracker. They they will get a great high out of checking those boxes. And they'll often do well with Fitbits or Apple Watches or, you know, all of the tech gadgets that will help you track your steps, um, track your resting heart rate, track your heart rate variability, all of those things upholders are going to love. So if you are an upholder, you may want to consider investing in some tracking devices um, to give you just a little bit of extra motivation. Of all the tendencies, I think upholders are more likely to be successful with the concept of moderation. So some people do great with saying, you know what, I can have whatever I want, but only one or two cookies in a week or, you know, only one drink per night, whatever it is. Other people, they need to abstain, but upholders are good with moderation because they are so intrinsically motivated, it's easier for them to say no after they've had that second cookie or after they had that first drink. Um, So if you're an upholder, consider using moderation as one of your tools. Now, one of the problems upholders often encounter is that they are extremely self-critical when they don't follow through. And I, I think to a certain extent, this is probably true of everybody, but it's particularly true of upholders because they are really all about meeting expectations. And that can be difficult, right? If you have a ton of expectations coming at you from all angles of life, from work, from home, um, from your doctors, from your personal trainer, from your coaches, whatever, and then you're also putting all of these Um, expectations on yourself. It can sometimes feel like a lot to live up to. And that can be really hard. And if you find yourself slipping up, if you find yourself not meeting expectations, then that can be a really difficult place to be. And that can result in some self-criticism and self-abuse. And so that's something that upholders really have to be aware of. 
they also tend to be quite independent. And so of all the all the four tendencies, I think the upholders are going to be the least likely to ask for help. And again, it's because they are you know, so independent and internally motivated that they're just not going to think to to turn to others. And they often don't even need to. So, you know, when I look at the clients in my coaching program, I probably have of, of, of everybody, upholders represent the, the least amount of women in my programs. And this is likely because, you know, if they make a plan for themselves and it works for them, they're going to have no problems sticking with it. They're not going to feel the need to turn to somebody like me or other coaches um, to get help because they often just do so well on their own. However, what I would like to say is because upholders need that accountability, sometimes coaching or structured programs can provide the information, the guideline, the structure for which they can then commit themselves to and track and be accountable to themselves. So I have had a few women come into the program, learn what they need to do, and then they go off on their merry way and and do it on their own without help from me or from the other coaches in the program. And I often get emails from, you know, these women down the road thanking me because they had met their goals. And that always makes me feel good because sometimes you don't know with upholders because they just go off on their own way and they do things the way that they need to. And they're often they're often very successful but we as coaches don't often get to see that so i love that feedback and one last thing that i would like to um mention about upholders is that because they are so committed to these expectations it's so much easier for them if they are focused on behaviors rather than outcomes. And this is something that we talk a lot about in coaching programs, and that is focusing on what you do rather than the outcomes. And that's because we often don't have control over what weight our body is going to end up at at the end of the day. And setting that as a goal can sometimes set you up for failure or disappointment. But if you commit to what you can actually do to reach your goals, the actions and the healthy habits that you want to engage in on a day-to-day basis, that is what often leads to success. And because upholders are often intrinsically motivated by the things that they want for themselves, they can lose sight of what they're doing if they're just focused too much on the end game and not what needs to be done right now. And so setting behavior goals in terms of how you're actually going to show up for yourself every day might be a great tool for you rather than simply focusing on the outcome. All right, so that's the upholders. Let's move on to those obligers. Now, obligers are probably the most common type of women I see in my community because they love external accountability and they need it to be successful. If you tell an obliger that they need to do task A by date B, they are going to get it done. This is the sort of scenario that they absolutely thrive on. They are the rule followers. They love boundaries. They love protocols. They love checklists. That is where obligers are going to do great. And and so when you think about how obligers show up um, to a weight loss program, they're going to want a set of rules to follow. Now, we're often talking in my weight loss world anyways, about how important it is to actually relax away from the rules and learn more how to listen to your body in terms of how to feed yourselves. And 
Obligers might feel uncomfortable with something as esoteric as that. They really do want to be told what to eat, how much to eat, when to eat it, and all of the things. And so if you are an obliger and you still want to heal yourself from diet trauma and disengage a little bit from diet rules, the strategy that I would suggest is to approach things as an experiment. And so decide that for two weeks, these are the rules that I'm going to follow. This is how I'm going to eat. And at the end of the two weeks, I'm going to analyze how it went for me. And as you go through those two weeks of experimenting with that particular set of rules for yourself, you can keep track of how it feels to eat that way, what your body is doing and how it's reacting to that, what your hunger levels are, what your mood is like, how you're sleeping, how your exercise feels, all the things, and then decide at the end of the two weeks, what parts of this do I want to keep? What parts of this do I want to let go? And then set a new protocol for yourself for the next, you know, two to four weeks to try again. This will allow you to have that set of rules and, you know, that protocol to follow while also giving yourself the space to figure out what it is your body actually needs. And so that's that's one excellent tip for you. And, you know, I, I think, again, we're all tending towards perfectionism when it comes to weight weight loss. And it's probably true of women in general, but I think obligers are more likely than any of the other tendencies to really fall into the traps of perfectionism. And partly this is because when you give yourself a set of rules to follow, if you take one misstep or if you don't follow one rule um, perfectly, then you're going to start to beat yourself up. And you might end up in this all or nothing thinking of, I'm just, you know, I'm going to follow all my rules or I'm not going to follow any of them. And of course, we know that that is absolutely the enemy of weight loss. If we think about it in terms of how important consistency in our daily habits are. So if you're constantly running up to this expectation to follow your rules perfectly. And because of that, you're not following them at all. Well, then of course, you are not going to make any headway in your goals. And, you know, the other thing that often happens with obligers is that they will sign up for a program, right? Like they'll sign up for a 12-day workout challenge at the gym or They'll sign up for a, you know, a no sugar challenge for the month or, or something like this, and they will do absolutely fantastic in the confines of that particular challenge. But then once the challenge is over and the accountability is gone, they're, they just feel lost. They have no idea where to turn next without that sort of outside structure. And I think that's one reason why coaching programs do so well for obligers, because it just can, you know, provides that real time ongoing accountability for obligers to rely on until they meet their goal. You know, they're often going to have trouble doing things on their own. I think we probably all embody a little bit of all of the tendencies, right? And even though I definitely am more of a rebel, there are some obliger tendencies in me as well. And I've told this story before of, of me having a personal trainer for a full year, you know, many years ago and doing absolutely fabulous. And then after that year ended, I had no freaking idea what to do with myself on my own in the gym. And I just stopped working out. It is is one of the biggest regrets of my life, right? And that is something that happens to obligers all the time, is that once the in, the structure and the accountability of a program are gone, they're left wondering what the heck to do with themselves and can often fall off the wagon. 
And they really just need that little bit of outside pressure to keep them going. And, you know, I think that's another reason why I might have some obliger tendencies is, you know, when I think about um, when I was a student and had papers or exams to write, it was that pressure of the last minute that um, that really kept me going. And so obligers really like to thrive on that um, sort of situation. And, you know, the the other thing that is so lovely about obligers is that because they rely so heavily on external accountability, they, of course, think other people do as well. And so they are amazing people to have inside a group because they're the ones that are always going to be encouraging others and providing the the accountability that others need as well. And so I am proud to have a bunch of obligers um, inside my program. All right. And next we'll move on to the questioners. And I kind of like questioners. I, I think I got a little bit of a questioner in me as well. Questioners are the opposite of obligers. They don't give a hoot about external expectations and accountability, but they are all about their own internal expectations. They're going to resist anybody else telling them what to do. But once they have done some research and come to a conclusion and made a decision for themselves, that is it. They will be 100% committed until they change their mind about whatever it is that they're doing. They really, really have a very strong inner North Star, right? They know what they want. They know which direction they have to point themselves in to, to get it. And then they go ahead and do what they need to do to get it done. Now, the problem with the question tendency is that they are more likely than anyone else to fall into analysis paralysis, right? Because they are so internally motivated, they need lots of information. They have to research all of the things. They have to figure out what feels true and right for them. And only once they've done that, will will they feel like they're able to commit and then have that internal motivation to move forward. Because for them, if if they're not deeming something as important, they're just not going to do it, right? And so these are, I almost want to say conditional rule followers. They'll follow the rule if they agree with it. They'll follow the rule if it makes sense to them. And they can be quite successful in weight loss because they're not going to be like the obligers feeling like they have to follow a program perfectly. If there's a part of a program that they don't agree with or that doesn't feel right for them, they're going to have no problem saying that I'm just going to leave that bit out. But you know, like I said, the other, the problem that that they're going to have, and it is such a problem in today's day and age where there's information everywhere and half of that information is conflicting. It's going to be very difficult for them to actually feel like they've found the answers that they've needed to make that commitment and move forward. But, you know, once they've done that, there's no holding them back. They're like, what they want is really as good as done. And I think one of the things that questioners really have to work on doing is allowing a little bit of flexibility, right? Once they've made up their mind, there's very little room for anything else to be present, right? So if they decide that, you know, I'm just going to pick something out of a hat, they've decided that eating low fat is the way that they want to go. And then they start to see that, you know, maybe they don't feel so great, low fat. Maybe on the days where they eat a little bit more fat, they notice they feel better. 
they're going to still stick to that no fat diet because that's what they've decided was true for them. And that is what's going to get them in trouble is being just a little bit too rigid in terms of what they've decided to be true. So I think what questioners really need to work on is allowing just a little bit more flexibility, a little bit of wiggle room to allow new truths to emerge as time goes on. And the way that I like to look at this is that, you know, on on any given day, at any given moment, we're really just working on things with the information that we have and the knowledge and the wisdom that we have available to us right now. As we move on through life, as we get closer to our goals and encounter struggles and navigate around them, we learn a little bit more about ourselves. We learn more from the world around us. And so our views should be allowed to change as we take in more information. So if you just allow yourself some time to just reassess where you're at every few weeks, if you're a questioner and just allow those rules to change, then you will drastically increase your chance of success. And the way that you really need to approach this if you're a questioner is to really tell yourself that you're not breaking your own rules. You're not disappointing yourself or not meeting your expectations. You're simply allowing a little bit of space for new knowledge to come in and making new decisions based on that knowledge. And if you want to continue as status quo, then that is absolutely fine. But if you do want to make changes to the rules that you've set out for yourself, then allow yourself to do that based on your lived experience. All right, that is the questioner. Let's look now at the rebel. And this is my primary tendency. And of course, the rebel doesn't care about anybody's expectations, not their own, not the expectations anyone else puts upon them. They have to feel like every decision they make is their own. And, you know, this means, and, you know, <laughs> my husband is a master at this, but he will make suggestions and do so in a way that makes me feel like it was all my idea. And when that happens, then I always say yes, because I think, I think we're doing what I had suggested. I don't know how he manages to do it, but he is an absolute master at it. And this is important because the challenge with rebels is getting motivated at all because you're always going to want to buck up against them, right? You, you, you're, you're just going to want to say no and rebel against anything that, that people tell you, um, especially the expectation of others, but also to some extent, um, the expectations that you put on yourself as well. And one of the strengths of the rebels, though, and I think this is one of the things that you have to allow yourself to use if you happen to be a rebel, is the fact that Rebels generally are not afraid to try new things. Experimenting works for them. Keeping things novel and unor unorthodox is really what drives um, a rebel. And, you know, my husband's also... Uh, I don't want to say critical, that's not the right word, but he points out the fact that I will jump from one, you know, workout program to another at the drop of a hat. And he doesn't get it because he's like steady goes kind of guy. He has his Peloton bike. That's what he likes to do. If it's nice outside, he'll go for a run. And that is just what he's always done. Me, I like all the new tech gadgets. I like the new programs that come out. I like to give them a try. When things are new and exciting for me, I am much more likely to do it. And so just, you know, interesting side fact, um, 
Lululemon's mirror just came to Canada a few months ago, and I've had my eye on it forever, but did not want to fork over the cash for it. Um, but over Black Friday, got a really good deal on it and bought it and brought it home. And I have been working out like a crazy person ever since because there are so many different types of workout programs on the app that accompanies this thing that it has just been new and exciting every day. And I cannot wait to get downstairs to our home gym to work out just to use this fancy mirror and try out a new workout program. So novelty is really, really motivating for me. The problem is that it will fizzle out. So I was excited when we got that Peloton bike as well, but I'm telling you six weeks I was bored with it and that was the end of that, right? And so the challenge for me right now is to always find new ways to work out that isn't going to break the bank all of the time. And that's something that rebels tend to have to do is just look for the novelty. And rebels are not always going to be thrilled by everyday activities like going for a walk or a run or, you know, having a weightlifting session at the gym. They're going to want to do things that um, maybe feel a little bit more exciting. Um, things like rock climbing or engaging in sports, um, you know, thing, things like this are probably going to appeal to the rebel a little bit more. Another strength here is that this means experimenting works for them. So, you know, unlike obligers who like their one set of rules that they just want to um, stick to forever, rebels don't want that, right? Rebels are fine to try things out and see how they do. And this is something else that I have really been working on doing is just allowing myself to follow my whims and seeing what works, right? So, some time ago, I bought a bunch of kettlebells on a whim um, because it seemed exciting. Turns out I freaking love kettlebells. It's been like years now since we've had them. And I will always go back to kettlebell workouts because it turns out I really like them. You know, I tried some other like Pilates thing with a ring that I had to buy and I absolutely hated it. Didn't work for me. Totally fine for me to just throw out that ring and move on to the next thing. So that is something that um, works really well for me and would likely work um, for other obligers as well. The other uh, key thing for obligers is they love spontaneity. And I hear this from women all the time and not just women with rebel tendencies, but all women is just this desire to have a little bit of spontaneity. Um, not everybody likes that, but many, many do. And I think it's important to allow a little bit of spontaneity in your plans. And so how this looks for me is I do have a food protocol that I like to follow, but it is a large one that allows wiggle room for me, really. And when I am planning our meals for the week, Rob and I will often plan, you know, five or six dinners, but not decide which night we're going to eat which one. So that, you know, if we do the planning on Sunday, when Monday rolls around, we just decide which one do we feel like today. So that allows us to still be able to plan um, to make sure that I'm getting the nutrition that I need over the course of the week, but also so that we can do our groceries um, within our budget, but still allows that spontaneity for us to decide kind of more what we feel like in the moment. And I often do that for planning breakfasts and lunches as well, that there's a few that I just like to have on hand um, so that I can choose something that just, just feels right for me in the moment. That spontaneity is just really, really important to me. And 
Along that line is I think rebels also need to allow loopholes, right? Whereas obligers and questioners, once they've decided on their their course of action um, and upholders to a certain extent too, they're just going to go gung-ho and follow all of those rules. But I think rebels really just need to allow space for loopholes. So there needs to be space for exceptions to be made and for what ifs and for that spontaneity and the need to just make impulsive decisions, I think needs to be present for the rebel. Now, of course, the problem with this, if that becomes the norm, if that's what the everyday is, is living in the loopholes, then you're probably not going to make your weight loss goals or whatever other goals that, that you're approaching. So there does need to have to be a little bit of a balance, but allowing that flexibility to have some loopholes present, I think is, is really important. And I think the final thing that is important um, for rebels is to, you know, rather than tying yourself to expectations like weight loss or like working out X number of times a day, whatever it is for you, rather than tie yourself to the expectation, tie yourself to your identity. So if you want to identify as an athlete, then ask yourself, what would an athlete do today? Rather than what should I do today? Or, you know, what's on my plan for day for today? Ask yourself, what would an athlete do? Or if you want to identify as a naturally healthy eater or an intuitive eater, then ask yourself, like, what would an intuitive eater or what would a healthier eater do? What decision would they make in this moment? And so if you're asking yourself that question from a place of identity rather than expectation, you might find it a little bit easier if you're a rebel to meet your goals and to do what you need to do on a regular basis, that consistency needed to meet your goals. Of all the tendencies, rebels are much more likely to fall off of the wagon because they're just not going to be able to commit. That is going to be such a difficult thing for them. But again, it will be much easier for them to commit to an identity because that is what is important to rebels. Who they believe they are matters more than anything else. So if you can find a way to tie the things that you want to accomplish in your life to an identity that you strongly hold on to, then you'll be much more successful. And really just trying to keep things new and exciting is what you want to do. All right. So there you have it. The rebel, your four tendencies, upholder, obliger, questioner, and rebel. Again, if you're not sure which one you are, I do recommend popping over to Gretchen Rubin's website. The link will be there in the bio for you to find out who you are. Um, She has all sorts of information about the strengths and weaknesses of each tendency as well. And I'd encourage you to have a look through that to see how you can use the tendencies to your greatest advantage on your weight loss journey. All right. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining and we'll talk again next week. Bye for now. 